like a small boat on the ocean, sending big waves into motion, like how a single word can make a heart open. I might only have one match, but I can make an explosion. Hello everyone and welcome to Wonderfilled Week. I am your host, Caitlin Corey. Today's episode marks the start of a new collection of content, the Passion Meets Purpose series. These episodes will spotlight people who have found what they are passionate about in life and converted that into a mission for their life's work. Today I welcome Ava Veal. At only 16 years old, Ava gave a TED Talk about how societal pressures and the media's narrow view of beauty contributed to her negative body image in middle school. Now 18, Ava is using her experience and platform to educate and inspire others with her organization, UnBeauty Mark, where she encourages people of all walks of life to celebrate their UnBeauty Marks or what societal standards may deem flaws. Ava believes that there is more than one definition of beauty and that we should learn to see and celebrate this truth. Please enjoy this conversation with Ava Veal. Hello, Ava. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. I want to take a moment to say I'm really impressed with you. You are a remarkable young woman who has really used your voice, your experience, and your platform in such a positive and impactful way. And I am excited to dive into all things Ava, all things Unbeauty Mark. So why don't you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so my name is Ava Fiel. I'm 18 years old. I'll be turning 19 in about two and a half weeks. And I'm going into my second year at the University of Virginia, which I'm super excited about. I'm in a sorority called Pi Beta Phi. Um, I love the girls, they're awesome. And I'm the chair of the Leadership Development Committee on the Black Student Alliance, which is exciting, nerve wracking, because I've never held like a chair position in a committee at my university. I went to a boarding school where the girl side was like leadership based and we had chair positions and all that, but I've never done it on like for like an organization. And then I'm also doing this mentorship program for middle school girls this year, which I'm super excited about. It's called the Young Women Leaders Program. And so basically they have UVA young women come in and go into middle schools and just mentor girls and we're called big sisters, which is really exciting. So, wow. Okay. That's a lot. Your plate is full. You are not wasting any time. Um, it's so clear to me that, you know, you are a natural born leader. Now, I don't know if we attribute that to how your parents raised you, if it's innate, if it's just what you surround yourself with, but it's clear to me that you are a natural born leader. It makes perfect sense to me, everything you're involved in. You are just on a roll and you have been for nearly most of your life. You're only 18 years old. Like I said before, I'm so impressed with your resume, with what you've done, with what you continue to do. And it just it's, it comes as no surprise to me that you're on 
all these boards that you are in all these positions to help other young women and i think you know that's sort of the greatest gift we can give right is to be that person we needed when we were young or that person who helped us when we were young and you sort of pay it forward and you are a perfect example of that because i know you come from a strong mom and so she has instilled a lot in you and you are now sharing it with the world and that is why i wanted to have you on the podcast because you know, this is a series called Passion Meets Purpose. And you are clearly passionate about helping others, about, you know, flipping beauty standards on their head, but that's just one of the things you're doing, right? You are just having a positive impact on this world. You are taking your passion and turning it into your life's work, which is what this series is all about. And so I'm not only excited to dive into your organization on Beauty Mark, but Beyond that, I'm excited to just follow you as a person and see where, you know, your career takes you, what the next chapter is for you. You're only starting your sophomore year of college. You still have so much ahead of you, and I'm going to be on the sidelines rooting for you because you really inspire me. So let's dive right in. You are the founder of Unbeauty Mark. What experiences led you to launching this amazing organization? Um, so I struggled with an eating disorder um, starting at the age of 13. And I always tell people I struggled physically for about a year, but mentally for about two and a half years. And I like to make that distinction because eating disorders are mental disorders with physical components. So that's just always an emphasis I like to make because um, just because someone's recovered physically does not mean they've necessarily recovered mentally. So a beauty mark was basically, it basically stemmed from my struggles. Um, I had a really, really bad perception of what beauty was and how I expected myself to look. And that kind of all changed. You know, I gained a completely new perspective when I went on service trips the two consecutive summers before I founded on Beauty Mark. And so I went to Thailand and Australia. And while I was there, it just opened my eyes to how broad the definition of beauty can be. How there's beauty within cultures and beauty within all of our differences and how beauty is not just limited to physical appearance which i think society puts such a big emphasis on and so that's kind of how unbeauty mark got started the term unbeauty mark is something i actually came up with my mom which is really really special to me and an unbeauty mark is a part of yourself that society would consider a flaw and so as an organization, Unbeauty Mark promotes, you know, celebrating those flaws and imperfections that society wants you to change. A mental illness with physical components. I love that distinction you make because I do think for people who have no experience with eating disorders or disordered eating, they may think it is just physical, right? Like that you're just looking at yourself and you're seeing the physical, but you're right, it goes so much deeper. And I don't think maybe everyone knows that. And I think the fact that you struggled longer with the mental side of it makes sense. Where did you find uh, support during that time? Where, who did you rely on or who did you open up to during that time once the physical component had ended but you were still struggling mentally? Um, I would say my friends and family were my biggest support, but also I pretty immediately started going to therapy once I opened up to my parents about what was going on. And that honestly kind of changed my life. I still go to therapy. I think everyone should go to therapy. Therapy is a great thing. It helps you get all of those. It, it's, it's even great just for stress, you know? So sometimes when I'm feeling really overwhelmed by my workload, I'll go visit my therapist and she'll give me some really great tips. So definitely my friends and family, but also I'm like a huge proponent for going to therapy. 
Absolutely. I 100% agree. I feel like I'm a broken record. I say this almost every episode. I always say you don't have to be at your worst to go to therapy. It's exactly what you said. You could be stressed. You could just need sort of that reset that, you know, to refocus things, to have someone to talk things out with. I actually think that therapy should begin with children and it should become something that's normal part of society, right? Quote unquote normal. It should be, you know, we need to end the stigma on speaking to therapists, to go into therapy, it it can be a beautiful thing as you've seen and experienced. And I think that's amazing of your parents that as soon as you opened up and you were sort of confiding in them with what was going on, they said, you know, this may be bigger than us. Let's sort of bring in a professional. We'll offer that support as a family, but I think we need to bring in a professional. And like you said, where it is a mental illness with physical components, you sort of do need a professional to sort of like give you, well, let me ask you, what did your therapist provide for you? Resources or support, statistics? What was most helpful to you with your therapist? It's different for each person, especially in terms of eating disorders. But I think something I struggled with the most was having kind of a tunnel vision. So I I really couldn't see past my eating disorder. And something that my therapist just really helped me with was putting everything in perspective and really helping me understand how all these negative feelings I'm having, all these feelings I'm having about my body, they can be temporary if you do the work. And so she basically would just have me journal. I'm also a huge proponent for journaling. It's gotten me through some of the hardest times in my life. And also just understanding that your feelings are valid. You might not be having positive feelings about yourself, but that does not mean that they're not valid. And so I always tell people to write down everything that they're feeling. And even even if it's negative, get all of those emotions out and then write things that you're grateful for, write things that you like about yourself. Because I remember there was a point in time where I had a really hard time trying to find even one thing that I liked about myself. And now I've been doing it so much that, you know, I can write a list of 10 things, even if I don't believe it that day, it still helps me get out of that negative mindset. Oh, I love that practice. And it's like a brain dump, right? Like, you know, there's a lot going on in our mind uh, about ourselves, about others, uh, society pressures, there's a lot going on at all times. And I think that's just a great practice to just do a big brain dump, write it down. It may not make any sense when you read it back. You may not even be able to read your own handwriting because you're just scribbling frantically, right? But like you said, it gets it out there. And then you can sort of shift and like say, okay, how can I reframe this? Uh, what, What do I think is really going on here? I think that's an amazing practice. And I think that many people could benefit from that. Also, by writing things down, it's easier to vocalize. So if you're really struggling with something, and you feel like you can't say it out loud, practicing writing it down first can really, really help. That's a great tip. So for anyone who's listening, if, you, if you're struggling with something and you just really don't exactly know how to say it, what exactly it is, I think everyone should follow Ava's example and write it down, write it out, keep it for yourself, you know? And when, if you read it and it seems like something you wanna share, I think that you should do that. And I think that's a great habit to get into. And I think, you know, something that you spoke about in another interview recently was gratitude and being grateful. And I think that's a huge thing too, right? Especially during COVID, especially everyone being stuck at home. It's such an uncertain and difficult time right now. It may be hard to see things that you're grateful for, but I know this is a practice that you do. So can you tell us a little bit about why that's important to you to write down what you're grateful for? I think it seeps into every aspect of your life in a way. So even if 
like, yes, it helps me focus, especially like if you're in a bad mood or in a, you're in kind of a funk and you, you're either trying to be productive, you're trying to, you know, handle conflict. You're trying, you know, in every aspect of your life by writing down those things that you're grateful for, it kind of is like hitting a reset button because you can't be angry and grateful at the same time. Um, I think it's physically impossible. So you basically just force your brain to be happier, you know? And so I think that's a big reason why I practice gratitude. And it's one thing to say it out loud, but I think it's another thing to be able to go back in your journals and read through the things that you're grateful for. If you're in like a really, really dark place, you can flip back through your journal and see, okay, on this day, I was grateful for these things. Maybe they can inspire me to be grateful for other things. And so I think it's a great tool for work. It's a great tool for personal relationships. It's a great tool for conflict. It's great for basically every part of your life. And so that's, I think that's the biggest reason why I practice gratitude. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I think that many people could benefit from that as well. So getting back to unbeauty, Mark, society, we know that there's beauty standards, right? And the beauty industry is sort of like beating that into our heads with marketing, commercials, Instagram, ads, billboards. Um, I live in Los Angeles and there's huge billboards all up and down sunset and you're seeing this certain standard of beauty. And so do you think that these societal pressures contributed to your difficulty with your body image? Oh, a hundred percent without a doubt, especially at the time. Um, I, I was about 13, so I had just kind of gone into Instagram. And so, you know, you're following all these models and these beautiful, beautiful women that all generally look the same. And at, you know, at that age, you're going through puberty, your body's changing, you're in middle school, which is just a really uncomfortable time. There's a lot of social pressures kind of coming into play. Um, and then you add the external pressures from social media. And so I definitely think it contributed a lot to how I felt like I needed to look. It wasn't even like, oh, I want to look like that. It was more like, I need to look like that to be considered beautiful. Which now thinking back, that's so sad. I'm, it, make, it makes me really sad knowing that I felt that way. I know. And now that was only a, a short five years ago for you. And so I like to think now I'm a bit older in my 30s. And so I, I'd like to think that the beauty industry is starting to make a change, that there is a shift. But to think that five years ago that this was happening to you and to many other young men and women um, around the world, that I know that, that makes me realize that there's more work to be done. Right. So do you notice a change in the beauty industry? And if you could if you could have them do more, what would you wish to see? in these ads, on Instagram, on the billboards, what is your hope to see one day? So I know in recent years, for example, Abercrombie and Victoria's Secret got a lot of blowback from uh, just some commentary from their, their CEOs and also just the, the type of beauty that they were perpetuating. So I know that those two particular brands started integrating more plus size models and a bit more racial diversity. And I think there has been a big influx in body positivity on Instagram, especially. But 
I think there is a lot of work to be done. Even when you turn on the TV and commercials, you don't see a lot of body inclusivity. Sometimes you don't even see a lot of racial diversity. So I would just love to see a bit more from these companies. You know, a, a company that I think a lot of other companies could take note from is Airy. They're part of American Eagle. And since day one, they do no retouching. They use models of all different shapes and sizes, different races. I absolutely love that company. So I think, yeah, other companies could definitely take note. Absolutely. And I think too, I do see changes, right? We're seeing a bit more diversity racially, size-wise. I don't think we're seeing a ton of diversity in look, however. Okay, so what I mean by that is you know, there may be models who are maybe of a bigger size, but they still have this like typical look, you know, in the face. Um, so what I'm hoping to see one day is more diversity there, right? Like whatever that may mean. I love that model, Winnie Harlow, I believe her name is. Yeah, I love Winnie. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. And so when, you know, when you see models, and I believe she has vitiligo, and I believe when you see that, it's like, wow, okay, I'm really seeing a change. I think we need more of that where it's not just, oh, we have our our one plus size model, we have our one model of color. We, you know, I don't want it to just be like a, a check mark. I want it to be more like a celebration, right? And I think you're right, Aerie is doing that. And I think, like you said, other companies could take note. But I also think too, and tell me if you agree, I think we have to start at home too. I've worked with children for nearly my entire life. And something that I've always prided myself on doing is when I'm, when I was a teacher, a nanny, or just, you know, with my nieces and nephews, I try not to give physical based compliments to children. So to the little girl that you're saying every day, you're so beautiful, you're so beautiful. You may think you're giving them the positive reinforcement that they are beautiful, but my fear is, and always has been, is that you're making them more aware of their looks at a young age and they may that may develop or manifest into being obsessed with how they look so i try to give compliments to children like you are a very talented artist i love the way your mind works i love how you're kind to your friends and sort of i think it sort of begins at home because you know the media is going to be there the ads are going to be there it may take another whole lifetime for it to get to where you and i want it to be so i think we have to start with our children would you agree with that yeah i 100 percent agree with that i also think by constantly giving praise for looks and for physical appearance, as that child grows up, not only do they become hyper-focused on it, but they also start placing their value in that. And so by giving them compliments in other ways that aren't, that don't have to do with um, their physical appearance, also shows them that beauty is not just your physical appearance. You know, beauty is your kindness, your patience, your love for other people, and that it teaches them that beauty is all around us. It's in everyone, no matter what they look like. So I 100% agree with you on that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, parents should take that into consideration to find other ways to compliment our children so that they grow up with that confidence in other areas of life. Because like you said, there's was something, a message that I love that you always, you know, promote with your work is there is no one definition of beauty. Beauty is so many things. It's in everyone. It's in everything if you really search for it. 
And so you actually, at the age of 16, gave a TED Talk about many of these elements that we're talking about. So I'm going to let you, I don't want to misrepresent your TED Talk, so I'll let you describe it. But can you tell us a little bit about what that process was like from finding out you were going to do it to actually being on that stage in front of your peers and knowing that it was going to be shared with the world? What was that experience like and what was your topic? First of all, it was just a crazy experience in itself. I never thought that I would do something like that. Um, you know, surprisingly, a lot of people find this surprising, but I'm, a, I'm actually a bit shy. I, I've had a lot of practice in public speaking, so I think I've just gotten better at it over time, but I don't necessarily love it. I don't think anyone really loves it, but, you know, people say that it gets easier over time, and I don't know if it does. So basically what happened is I found out that one of my peers was going to be hosting this TEDx talk at my high school, and you know, a week and a half goes by, I was like, oh, that's a great idea, you know, good for her. Like, I just, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to do it. And then three days before the deadline, I called my mom. I said, hey, mom, I think I want to do this. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. But then I remembered I had a dream, actually. I believe it was two years before I gave the TEDx talk. And um, in this dream, I was, you know, talking to this room of people and about beauty and like my experience. And I had woken myself up, written everything down, and I kept that piece of paper. So I used that in my speech and well, to help my speech at least. Yeah. So the TED Talk itself, you know, I go into the different standard, standards of beauty in different countries and how, for example, in Martinia, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right. Basically, the motto I came up with was bigger is better. So there, things like stretch marks, cellulite, general, like just bigger bodies are considered beautiful, which is the complete opposite of what it is in Western cultures, especially in the United States. So I talked about different beauty standards in different countries and doing that research was really, really interesting because growing up in a society where thinness is constantly promoted as beautiful, it was so interesting to see all these, these different definitions of beauty really coming into play. And so I talked about that and then I compared that to the beauty standards within the United States, which generally, like I said, um, beauty is equated to being thin and how it creates these false definitions of beauty and this toxic perception within society. And then I talked a bit about my own experience and how it, how I was so negatively affected by the eating disorder. And then I just, you know, debuted on Beauty Mark. And I'm really grateful for that experience because it was terrifying. The night before I had a complete mental breakdown on stage, I tried to memorize it the night before. And that, that was very interesting. So yeah, the night before was terrifying. I was so scared to be so vulnerable in front of so many people. But then when I got on that stage, I just felt like this wave of peace just kind of come over me. And I felt like the TEDx talk was for myself. It was that final like, okay, this was my experience. This is what I went through. I've accepted it. I'm ready for a new chapter in my life. And then on being marked is kind of for everyone else. I love that. There's so many things that touched me in that story. So having the dream, I mean, how amazing is that? So meant to be that you were dreaming about it years before it happened. So you know that it was in the cards for you, right? And then almost not doing it, waiting until nearly the deadline to sign up. 
And I'm so glad you were able to have that dialogue with your mom. I just can't imagine, I'm trying to picture myself at 16. Would I be able to share the most vulnerable parts of myself with my peers? Because like, you know, you said middle school is a tough time, but high school is a tough time too in that way, right? Sharing some of your deepest, darkest things that were really just between you and your family and really within yourself. And I think that that is so incredibly brave. And, you know, everyone needs to go watch this TED Talk, right? Because I watched it more than once. And I'm just so impressed with the way you carry yourself um, and your ability to be vulnerable with others. And like you said, it was sort of for you. And I love that mentality because it was sort of the end of one part of the chapter. The book is still going, of course. The book is Ava. But that's, you know, that chapter was ending and you were sharing it and shedding yourself of that. And then, you know, launching your organization, which is going to help so many other young men and women who may be having similar struggles. And if you don't mind, I actually have to just read one quote from your TED Talk because it really touched me. And um, everyone has to keep in mind she was 16 when she shared this. So you said, I began to obsess about numbers, counting calories and watching the number on the scale drop. I began to equate my value with being thin. I thought that the thinner I was, the more beautiful I'd become. Well, I was wrong. And even reading that as a woman in my 30s, I'm like, wow, like so many people can relate to that feeling. I think, you know, whether or not people have um, struggled with disordered eating or eating disorders or anything in that realm, whether or not they have, I think everyone's sort of had a little bit of an internal struggle, right? Because of the, the pressures of society, we do want to be, you know, that thin sort of like thin, sun-kissed, tan person, right? I know for me, I always struggled with my very, very pale skin, okay? And so I would always tell my mom, I wish that I could just have like beautiful, darker skin. I'm so pale, I don't wanna wear shorts. I remember being like, you know, around the age that it started for you, 13, and just being just full of dread about certain things I was gonna wear and just that, you know, it being up for public consumption that someone was gonna comment on my body. And it's so young to feel that way. And like you said before, it's sad. And what I love what you did with your TED Talk is that you included research from other parts of the world. Because when I would tell my mom about how I just couldn't stand my pale skin and why wouldn't she let me go in the sun, she said, well, if you really do your research and you look outside of your bubble, and many cultures having pale skin can mean so many other things. And like you said, beauty has no one definition. And so sometimes we just have to get out of this bubble, right? And, I, and for for me, and you know, in the United States, it's that bubble of society standards. And what I love what you're doing with Unbeauty Mark is challenging that. And, I, and you did say that on Instagram, we're seeing more body positivity, more inclusivity, diversity, and I love that. But I just have to take the moment with reading that to just say, wow, like you are incre an incredible, remarkable young woman and sharing that at 16 is just so incredible. So I'm thanking you as a woman in my 30s and I know it happened years ago, but thank you because I needed that reminder and you provided that and you, you may not like public speaking, but you are very good at it and you do have a very strong, powerful message. Would you consider doing more talks in the future and rising above the fear? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yes, it was terrifying, but it was so liberating. And um, I also hosted a workshop at my high school, which I was, oh my gosh, I was so nervous for. Because you're with your peers and you're in high school and you really don't want to be laughed at or judged. It's also a very complicated, hard time in your life. And so I was so, so nervous. But it was such an incredible experience because 
I really made the participants be vulnerable with some of the activities we did and just the feedback I got afterwards, people, you know, telling me I never knew other people felt this way. Like, thank you for doing this. And so I would definitely be open to doing talks, but I also really would love to do more workshops either with, you know, middle school and high school girls, even with um, young women at UVA. So I'd love to do both. <laughs> yeah, lots more to come from Ava for sure. What advice would you give to other people right now who may be listening and maybe uh, struggling with some of the same things you did? What advice would you give to those people who are in the thick of it right now? I, I think besides journaling, my biggest piece of advice would be try to either curate your Instagram in a way where you're seeing more body positive accounts or don't go on it because I remember that is something that really really fueled my eating disorder because it's at your fingertips you you can go on at any time and you can really really decide what type of images you see and so either like I just said either kind of curate it so you see all different types of women or men because eating disorders also affect boys and men which is something that needs to be discussed more even now i really try to limit my time on social media in general um i keep all of my notifications off <laughs> so sometimes it can be a little hard to get in contact with me but i can i've noticed such a big change in my motivation in my positivity since turning my notifications off and since limiting my time that I spend on it. Also, you can set timers on your phone where it like limits how much time you spend on each app, which I think is also a really great tool. But yeah, I would say definitely limit your time on social media, journal, um, maybe even meditate. So yes, I love all of these things. I'm just over here nodding in agreement with everything. And you know, you're right about curating your feed because when I started Wonderfilled Week, that's exactly what I was seeking out. I only wanted to see and interact with accounts that were gonna either inspire me, motivate me, make me think, challenge me. I never wanted to see any negativity, complaining. And I think you're right, like depending what you're, that was for me to get out of sort of like a negative mind space. But for other people who may be dealing with uh, eating disorders or disordered eating, I think you're right. Diversify your feed, okay? You wanna see all different representations. And I think we, we say this all the time, representation is so important in film and TV and everything in every area. And I think that's important to sort of, and I'm even guilty of it too, because I thought I was doing a pretty good job of uh, showcasing artists on my feed because I try to use my feed like a gallery to support other artists, show their work. And I thought that I had a pretty diverse feed until some of the more recent uh, racial equality protests and learning more about that on social media. I said, oh my gosh, there's hundreds of other accounts I can follow and interact with that are much more of a diverse, you know, uh, authors and artists. and. And it really just like shook me up again to say, wow, there's always more you can do. There's always more diversity. There's always, you know, things you can do to sort of, you want to see different things. I don't want to scroll and see the same look. And I think it's hard. And like you said, it's a slippery slope with social media, right? So I have like a very back and forth relationship, love-hate relationship with social media because I think it can be very community-based. You can find a lot of people, you and I finding each other and chatting on DM and um, I've met so many amazing people on social media, but but I'm also in my 30s. So then I worry about girls who are boys who are 13, 12, 13, starting out on social media. It can be a very 
overwhelming place. And I think it's important to limit and to be careful who you follow. I think that's amazing advice. Okay, I'm gonna read one more quote from your uh, TED Talk because this is gonna lead me into one of your campaigns. So you said, I've learned that my body is beautiful regardless of its imperfections. I've learned that beauty is so much more than the gap between your thighs and the size of your jeans. And I loved that, you know, have, including that in your TED Talk. And you are all about finding beauty all around the world, within ourselves, within our friends, our family, and in the world. And you actually launched a campaign during COVID called There is Beauty In. So what sparked this idea and what do you hope to accomplish with this campaign? I would just say what sparked it was just seeing how much tragedy and pain that was going on. And I was watching the news and immediately I would turn, like I would turn the TV off and I would just feel this weight on my chest and being, I mean, obviously what's going on in the world is horrific and terrible. And I guess this kind of ties back to my gratitude. I think no matter what's going on in the world, we, we always have something to be grateful for. Even if it's hard to find, there's always going to be at least one small thing in your life that you can say, wow, I'm really thankful to have that, whether that's your family, whether that's, I'm like huge into nature. So uh, the birds singing outside of my window every morning, uh, watching the sunrise. I know uh, one of my friends who submitted for the campaign said um, the waves he would get from people on his morning runs. So you know, just there, there's beauty all around us, even in the smallest moments of life. And I guess that's just, that's kind of where my inspiration came from. And I guess where I want to go with it is just continuing to spread that positivity and gratitude, especially in such, I don't know, insecure and unsure times. Yeah, super challenging times and, and unprecedented in our lifetime for sure. And I think what you're doing with your campaign is you're challenging people to find beauty in everyday things. And we don't always do that, right? There's so much hustle and bustle. We're always on the go. Hardly anyone's ever sitting around saying, wow, there's beauty in this and there's beauty in this. But now that we all have this time and we're home and we're on our nerves and we're so unsure what's going to happen next, why not take some of that energy that's running through our body and put it to something positive? And so this is how I go back to saying you're a natural leader and you're an influencer and maybe that's not the best word because we know that influencer has like a connotation now on social media, but you are influencing people in a positive respect by challenging people to take this nervous energy. Don't just sit there and be like a ball of anxiety. Look around you, like find the beauty, slow down. Some of the submissions that I heard are read um, in this campaign, there's beauty in imperfections, there's beauty in everything, there's beauty in brokenness. It doesn't always have to be like there is beauty in a flower. That is true, but there's beauty in other things, unexpected places. And I think that's something that is so powerful that you're doing is to challenge people to look around and say, there is beauty if you look for it. So how can the people submit to this campaign? We have a contact page on our website that you can do it to, but most people have Instagram. So um, on Instagram, if you DM unbeautymark at underscore mark, you DM a picture of yourself with your phrase, there's beauty and, and then whatever you wanna say, and then I'll put it up. <laughs> that's basically it. Yeah, it's amazing. And I mean, that's fun, right? Like you're searching for beauty and then you're getting featured. You're part of this like 
movement. It's really like a win-win situation for everyone involved. You're seeing people participate in your idea. You're seeing your idea come to life. And then other people are having a positive moment in their day by finding beauty and then being featured on this awesome, powerful Instagram page. And I sort of, that is an example of when I love social media, right? Because we are all alone. We home alone, you know, alone, but together. Um, social media can bring us together in this time if we use it correctly. So everyone should be thinking there is beauty in blank. Think about what your blank is. Take a beautiful photo of yourself, which spoiler alert, every photo of you is beautiful because there's beauty within. Um, send it to Ava at unbeautymark on Instagram or go to her website and you can be featured. And I think that's so amazing. And I know that you're going to have many campaigns in the future. I'm sure unbeautymark is going to grow, evolve. You're just going to do amazing things. And I'm just excited to see. So I thought it might be fun to finish with a little bit of a lightning round, just sort of like you already shared so much heaviness, your experience, you are vulnerable. Let's do some fun lightning rounds, um, to finish it off. So what is one thing you can't live without? Ice cream, which is funny because I'm lactose intolerant. So how does that work? I just, I just get through the pain. <laughs> like I love ice cream. It's just delicious. So I just deal with the suffering after. Yeah, you got to get the Haagen-Dazs dairy free. That's like the best of both worlds. Ooh. There you go. See, this is why we got to collaborate. Uh, what is a trend you are loving right now? A beauty trend, a social media trend, any anything. What's a trend you're loving right now? Um, so although I have this organization with a platform on Instagram, I really do not. I'm not on social media at all, really. So I actually don't follow trends much. I don't really know about trends. But one thing that I do absolutely love is people speaking up about racial inequality, speaking up about Black Lives Matter. That's something that's super close to home because I do identify as a black female. So, and just people becoming more involved in the movement. Uh, we actually, uh, on Beauty Mark actually launched a campaign called the Do Your Part campaign, which pretty much urges people to sign petitions, donate, protest. And um, in conjunction with that, we launched a collection called the Black Is Collection. So there's t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hoodies and all of the proceeds go to the NAACP and this amazing organization called Girls for a Change. And what Girls for a Change does is inspire girls to begin social change projects within their communities, um, which I think is incredible. And they, they have an emphasis on black girls and other girls of color, but all girls are welcome in their programs. They are, they're incredible and they're based in um, Central Virginia. So it's also close to home because I go to UVA. Yes, wow, that is amazing. So Unbeauty Mark is not just limited to beauty. You're gonna be talking about and doing campaigns for other things that you're passionate about. And that's what I love about you. There, you have such diversity in your taste and in your passions and you are putting your passion to purpose. And you're, I love how Unbeauty Mark can, is evolving and can mean many different things. Can we find the merchandise on your website, unbeautymark.com? So the merchandise is actually on a website called Bonfire. The link is on my website and it's also in the Instagram bio. And one thing to add about the Black Is Collection. So if you click on the website that takes you to the merchandise at the top it'll say black is more than a skin color and so the black is collection is basically highlighting that black is beautiful black is extraordinary you know black is so much more 
than, you know, the negative connotations that come along with it. And there's not enough representation of black women within media, whether that's movies, even social media, advertisements, all of that, and just finding the beauty within blackness as well, which is oftentimes um, misconstrued and stereotyped. Wow. That is incredible. Everyone needs to go follow Unbeauty Mark on Instagram. Check out your website to learn more about all of this because Unbeauty Mark is doing a lot, right? It's not just one thing, it's ever changing. Um, what is something you do every single day? Listen to music. Did you listen to Taylor Swift's new album? I listened to a couple of the songs. I haven't gone through the whole thing, but I listened to the song Exile, I think it's called. Yes, it's with Boney Bear. With, yeah, and. I already love it. I already love it. It's so good. I may or may not have listened to the entire album four times on repeat. Uh, what are you most grateful for today? And might I say I am most grateful for you and our paths crossing because I'm just sitting over here in awe. So I'm grateful for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Of course, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. And I'm also really grateful for my parents. They've supported me so much throughout this whole process. They've really let me take the reins on this and allow Unbeauty Mark to be what I want it to be. And, you know, I'm just grateful that it's gone to evolve with me. So yeah, I'd say I'm grateful for a lot of things today. Yeah, that's good. I think we should end with that one because that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Um, so I want to thank you, Ava, for joining me today and being so open and candid about your experience. Your story is extremely powerful, and I know you will touch countless people by sharing it. Your passion is evident, and I look forward to following your career and on Beauty Mark. So Ava, thank you so much for being on Wonderfield Week, for helping me kickstart the where passion meets purpose series. I think you are the perfect person to jumpstart this series and the next person has a tough act to follow. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This has been so incredible. Of course, everybody follow Ava at UnBeautyMark. I think you pretty much got that on all the social media handles, right? On Twitter and Facebook, it's at UnBeautyMark. But on Instagram, it's UnBeauty underscore Mark. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's pretty, it'll be pretty easy to find you and you'll see Ava's beautiful shining face. You'll see her, her campaigns and there's just a lot to learn. And if you're looking for more, uh, Ava, you can check out her Ted talk, which is available on YouTube. You can check out, uh, she did an, a news interview. Um, I can put the link in the bio of this episode. And you were also recently on the Power of Love show through the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation. So another great interview with TJ and Tosh Jackson. And I can only imagine where you're going to go next, Ava. So thank you for being here with me on Wonderfilled Week. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you.